When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Wednesday Night Wars podcast right here on FightfulWrestling.com, Fightful.com, YouTube.com slash Fightful. I'm Mr. Panda Haze with you. It is a, it is a panda mask. You, there, there's little ears here. You see <laughs> oh, that, okay. There see, you it's go. not it's not just like a, no, it's not it's not like a. I weird... thought you were I thought you were Jack Skellington. No, 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 not it's it's not even that. It's really <laughs> it's really so. Hey, Mr. Panda Hayes here this evening to talk to guide you <laughs> along tonight's edition of the Monday Night uh, Monday Night Wednesday Night Wars. Hey, you know if I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna go out flubbing stuff. Um, yeah, NXT Halloween Havoc AEW Dynamite. We are going to be talking about that for uh, the better part of the evening. For what's left of this evening. And I am joined here tonight by a man completely dressed in pink from head to toe. This is his Halloween. Uh, this is his Halloween getup. This is how he's basically telling us, "Hey, kids, come get candy at my place." <laughs> Robert DeFelice, how you doing, Robert? I- I'm doing all right. You see, Shock Patrick just works. It's Halloween havoc. The scares were going. I just, I just got in the spirit. I feel like Shock Patrick just fits. There you go. You look at you look at it suits you though. Thank you. You're welcome. And uh and someone else uh whose costume suits him very well, the uh the world's greatest uh, uh the world's greatest wrestling analyst, the man who protects us from the evils of wrestling boredom, yep. the man who uh who lives in the deep deep recesses recesses of uh of Sour Grapp's cave. Alex Palowski, the bat, who is with us tonight, who, of course, does sour graps over on FightfulSelect.com. Alex, how are you this evening? Uh, good. Uh, gentlemen, I'm going to tell you a brief story. Uh, this was not my, my original um, uh, costume I was going to wear. Um, See what? Yeah. Um, I thought uh, I would be clever, and I was going to go as the Sour Graps logo. So I got a, pur- a tube of purple face paint. And I did my whole face, I was doing my whole face purple. And the thing about it was that the shade of purple in the tube, the makeup, was a lot darker than the shade of purple on mm, the oh tube. Oh, no. <laughs> so it, it was like I had a, like, I was, I did like, uh, like, a, like, a, like a dark purple face, like, like, like a dark face, like blackface. I did blackface and I was like, that's... <laughs> Probably not the right thing to do in the year 2020. So I wiped it all off and uh, put on put on a Batman mask. So happy Halloween to everyone out there. Indeed, <laughs> don't, don't wear blackface. That was a that was a good call, Alex. That yeah, was a very yeah. very good call. Thank you very yeah. much. Thank yeah, you for yeah, being yeah. here, and thank you everyone who's joining us live here tonight, uh, watching us uh, as we uh, as we celebrate uh halloween at the same time uh i uh of course you know if 
since you're here, if you want to, if you want to show a little love, you can go right ahead and give the video a thumbs up. That kind of stuff. YouTube really, really does help and share the link out. Get, get some folks in here that it's a, it's a very easy way to show some support for, for what we do here. And if you want to keep showing support for, for Fightful, well, why don't you head on over to FightfulSelect.com and become a member of FightfulSelect.com, which is Fightful subscription service, where you get a whole bunch, a bevy of extra content outside of what you get usually on the on the website. You get a whole bunch of extra things uh, provided to you from the uh, good, good folks at Fightful. You get Sean Ross Sapp, who does the, uh, a weekly backstage report. You get Alex Pulowski reviewing Raw and SmackDown twice a week well right once for each show if he could only do it once for one show i think that would be uh, he'd appreciate that but you know he he rolls with the punches and we we love him for it um you also get uh, extra content from the listen your boy podcast you get steven jensen recaps everything non wwe as well on his own show you get uh, you, you get news exclusives before they uh, before they end up on fightful it's it's good and it's a good way to show support for what goes on at Fightful. So do consider becoming a subscriber of Fightful Select. And if you want to show a little support as we're going on here tonight, well, you can always drop a super chat and I will uh, read your question and or comment on the air, uh, such as one left uh, from us uh, by Anakin JMT. Thank you very much, Anakin. It says, is Wanda, 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 see, there you go. I'm going out in style. Is Warren the Panda voiced by Jack Black and Kung Fu Panda? No, quite unfortunately, uh, you ha- you're going to have to stick with my with my own voice uh, throughout the evening. <laughs> Had we thought about it, we could have arranged it. Anakin again left us another super chat. Thank you very much, Anakin. He says, which Batman is Alex, Keaton, Kilmer, Clooney, Bale, Affleck, or Kevin Conroy? Alex? Oh, well, well, Kevin Conroy is certainly my favorite. Uh, Michael Heaton's the best Bruce Wayne, uh, but I don't do an impression of any of them. Uh, however, I'm not wearing hockey pads. <laughs> so that's very good. Yeah. I, I appreciate the uh, Kevin Conroy is the best Batman. Oh, it's a good call. By far. Oh, I think so too. Uh, Evan Wright uh, left us a super chat as well. Thank you very much, Evan. He says, Rob Jack, Ace, and W Bar on the show. <laughs> Love to see it. Thank you very much, Evan. Oh, everyone's shaking their heads. But I appreciate it. I like the effort that went into that one. I appreciate it. So it's a war. There's winners, there's losers, and we have to pick them. Um, Robert, who won tonight? NXT or AEW? Uh, NXT slaughtered AEW. A Alex Pulowski? Uh Yes, uh, some somewhat apropos of of a Halloween themed show. There was a slaughtering NXT one, and I would have to concur. NXT had well, if anything, they had much more uh, important uh, things happening throughout the evening. Let's get to it. Let's start it. It was Halloween havoc, Alex tonight. And we get straight off the bat, Shotzi dressed up. Uh, she had a few costume changes during the evening. Her first one was like, I guess, a a punk poison ivy, I guess you'd call it. And uh, she's uh, she's on a stage. She has uh, she has Sami Zayn's electric chair with her there. She has an electric grinder that's doing sparks. And Alex, the wheel was not digital. It no, was, it was an actual wheel. It and was they, a prop. And they still rigged it. And I'm upset. 
did you really think that we were going to mayhaps get a coal miners glove match? No, tonight? no, no, not a coal miners glove match. I wanted one of the two matches to just not be a regular hardcore match. Because, because <laughs> I mean, I know that that I wanted one of them to be I better a live match, a casket match, or an inferno match. One of those three. Like one, I didn't want that for both of them to be sure. I didn't. I wasn't asking for a buried alive match and an inferno match. I don't want to be greedy, but one of the two, I really wanted to be like something extra, extra, extra spooky, you know. But I guess we got that because Cameron Grimes fought zombies, so you know you, you got to get yes. figure out, you know, a little bit of what. We're 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 go- we're gonna get to that, of course. Uh, but first, let's talk about Shotzi as the host. Uh, I mean. I think this, you know, um, the campiness about it, uh, her her delightfully awkward delivery of her, you know, of her lines, of it, it, it all sort of fit in this B-movie, you know, Elvira Mistress of the Night hosting the late night horror, uh, horror show vibe, right? And she, I think she did a good job at it. I think she was in her element. Yeah, no, they, they weren't exactly asking her to reinvent the wheel. Um, she, uh, well, the wheel, uh, we invented the wheel that there you go. to make deals, uh, that wheel's the one she reinvented, but, uh, yeah, it's fine. I mean, she was obviously having a blast and that honestly counts for so much. You can tell when people are like, I am here because I was told to say these things. Welcome to Halloween Havoc. No, like she, the, you could tell like she asked to do this. This was her her passion, mm-hmm. and that's great. And that absolutely reads through, and and good for her. And yeah, I, I thought she I thought she did a fine job. I saw a lot of people who were like, she should host everything. I was like, well, I mean, I think she should host everything that involves wheels spinning to make deals, and also uh, anything that that allows her to bring out a a thing that grinds metal to make sparks. Because those things really help out the the uh, you know the whole presentation. Absolutely, and the presentation was, it was really good. I thought it. I thought the whole I loved thing, the whole, the decor, the like little things like the orange ring ropes. I know, like it, like it just it just it felt right. And to me, I'm watching this going like, okay, cool. Uh, Great American Bash like could have could have been like red, white, and blue ropes and like everything like 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 here, look, we're, we're hosted by. By a guy in a Uncle Sam outfit, you know, like nah, you know, like from now on, if you're gonna do a, a, a holiday themed one, I'm not gonna accept anything less than Bronson Reed in a Santa outfit. Like that's the bare minimum you gotta you gotta do. Oh, <laughs> that's that's a really good one. I think they have more control over the Capitol Wrestling Center, so they were more that's playful true. with it. I agree. Very I true. agree. But the the little Halloween touches were good, like the black ladders with the orange trim on the steps and the uh, the um, the chalk outlines on the tables as well. Uh, I thought, yeah, there were a lot of uh, nice little nice little nudges. You could tell production had a little fun with it tonight. Um, over on the super chat side, Colt Badu left us a super chat. Thank you very much. And he says, "Can it be Halloween Havoc every week, please?" Yeah, this was a good. This was a good, fun show uh, with some good yeah. wrestling on it. Uh, if it were every week, though, it probably wouldn't be as special, though. It'd be difficult to do one in the middle of April. I'm just saying. It'd be, it'd be weird. Well, we yeah. had spring break in October. They, things can change. Yeah. This, there's a good point. Jobber JJ496, Mr. Davis, number one fan, TM. Left us a super chat. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, for an NXT show, it was solid for a ho- for Halloween it was bland. I'm not quite sure exactly what he. Alex, what? What? I mean, what do you make listen. Of that? If if he's like me, 
and wanted somebody to get buried alive more than anything in the world. I asked the great pumpkin to bring me a person being buried alive. And I guess I wasn't a good boy all year. So, you know, like I understand the disappointment, but, um, but for, for what they were trying to do, I think they over-delivered. Colt Boudou left us another super chat. Thank you very much. Colt says, I was disappointed that none of the slices on the wheel was lose and be moved to raw and watch your career to die match. Uh, yeah, that I think would have hit a little too, little too hard. To too real, Pro- man. Too real. Like Would have turned into a shoot. Um, Anakin left us a super chat as well. Thank you again. Anakin says, hoping we get December to dismember to make us forget about 2006. Sure. <laughs> And and then and then you could bring bring back some Halloween stuff right there. But let's get into the first match of the night. Johnny Gargano defeated Damian Priest to become the two-time two-time North American champion. Uh, there's even a live rendition, or at least a live guitar solo, live guitar rendition of Damian Priest's um uh, theme which wouldn't be the last one we'd see uh, the, tonight uh gargano comes out in jack skellington uh attire and slashes the inflatable pumpkin alex what i was thinking move. wait is this an inverse bailey turn i didn't understand what was happening uh what a heel move everyone wanted the uh inflatable pumpkin uh that's 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 something of lore uh and he said no you don't get it uh, and I understand why a lot of shit happened, like went up onto the stage. It'd be weird if there was a, a pumpkin there the entire time. So, um, so the uh, so the, the so uh, they spin the wheel and make the deal on this one. And it is a devil's playground match. It was essentially a false count anywhere match. No DQs, uh, pinfalls or submissions can happen anywhere in the arena. Prince is in control. Prince Priest is in control. Early on, he hits a spinning heel kick. Gargano gets in control once he throws Priest into the stairs. Some kendo skits get sticks get briefly involved. During the commercial, they pummel themselves with the stairs, uh, fight up the stage and into the def- the deflated pumpkin. Gargano hit, hit sliced bread on the steel stairs, which was a very cool move. Uh, and uh, Damien Priest answers that with a broken arrow on commentary. They fight into the spooky set and there's an animatronic that pops out at gargano which gargano promptly super kicks uh probably probably uh doing some projection on the little spin the wheel make the deal thing gimmick they had uh, last week at home uh they go backstage uh, gargano dumps some trash on priest they head back up the spooky set and there's there there's height to it it's elevated uh they fight on in a bit then all of a sudden Ghostface appears and attacks Damian Priest. And I'm like, it's Skeet Ulrich. It's Matthew Lillard coming after our boy Priest. We'll never know the person wasn't unmasked until until someone proves the opposite. It's either, it's it's those guys, in my opinion, crossover central here. But uh, Ghostface hands uh, Johnny Gargano a tombstone. He cracks it across Priest who falls off the spooky set. Uh, onto other spooky things and he and to the floor he's knocked out knocked out hard uh and uh gargano crawls over gets the pinfall he's the north american champ alex what'd you think about the fight um well listen uh, devil's playground to, uh, to me like i was like what is that because for the first five minutes it was just like a it was just a match um they 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 did like a little like a thing at the bottom like Oh, falls count anywhere. 
spooky weapons are legal Ooh, like it's a hardcore match like i i understand like it's a it's a it's a hardcore match which is cool but i, I wanted it to be like i don't know like if, if it's a devil's playground match oh look over there pull away the curtain it's a jungle gym where like you know weapons are hanging from it or something i don't know like if it's a devil's playground match make it make it fun spookify it um I, I did like, you know, the, the thing where he, he threw <laughs> he threw Johnny into his uh, into the deflated pumpkin. And mm-hmm. Johnny was basically asphyxiating under there. But the problem with that is, um, by the time the guys finally picked up weapons, we went to picture in picture. We cut yeah. away. We went to commercial. The guys pick up weapons like, oh, it's about to get good. Now it's time for a word from our sponsors. Like, come on, guys. Like, that, that can't be how you do it. Um Yes, I, I, uh, uh, so Ghostface um, comes and, and helps out Gargano. I was mm-hmm. like, that looks really tall to be Indy Hartwell. So I'm not mm-hmm. really sure uh, who that person is. Uh, maybe maybe Indy Hartwell has a male counterpart because I will talk more about another uh, Ghostface appearance later. But I thought it was really nice uh, that Johnny Gargano and the Wheel were able to patch things up and let bygones be bygones. And the Wheel... Allowed, uh, helped out Johnny when he did the tornado DDT off of it. So it's really nice. We should all aspire to be Johnny Gargano and the wheel and patch things up. Let's come together, have a little unity in America right now because we all need it. Uh, these two guys hated each other and now they're best friends. And I think that's great. Uh, so, uh, yeah, him being knocked off of the, the platform thing into the little weird paper mache haunted house, that was a hell of a fall. Um, yeah. and the, speaking of hell of a fall, uh, Damian Priest didn't really do anything with his run. Like, I I thought everyone was like, he just, like, compl- he was set the world on fire and the loss to Finn Balor. So much so, it was like, okay, we're going to turn you babyface for no reason whatsoever, really. And now we're going to uh, give you this title. Uh, we're going to spend the first three weeks when you have the title sitting in a hot tub with models. And, and, and then you're going to have some matches um, and you're going to defend the title a few times. And then you're going to lose it. And like, it wasn't like they did anything like, okay, we, we have so much confidence in you. If that amazing match with Finn Balor, it was an amazing match. Here's a title. You've been in Keith Lee's shadow forever. Here's a title. Go, go on. Soar young, young Eagle soar. And he just, he says, nah, I'm good. Uh, I'm going to lose that thing. It feels like so recently that he, that he won it. And now he doesn't have it anymore. Um, Johnny Gargano, this versus Johnny Gargano is incredibly entertaining. Um, so I, I guess it's kind of cool that he has the title, but it feels like Damian Priest is a main rostery type guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's like a call up in the future mm-hmm. for him, but um, I, I hope not for his sake. Uh, real quick, I thought the match sure. was good. And my guess is they're saving Priest for when that conference call goes wrong tomorrow and they need to bring up some new people. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good call. That's right. They, we have the uh, yep. the investors yep. the investors call tomorrow. Correct. Uh, the line drive left us a super chat. Thank you again. Uh, thank you very much. Line drive says uh, best guess. Brendan Vink is Ghostface, or whatever they're calling Brendan Vink now. I don't remember. They changed the Vinkinator. I don't know what they're gonna call him either. <laughs> they, they they gave him something. They gave him so- anyway. Rest in peace, Vinkamania. Lake left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Says, was that Man Mountain Rock playing the intro for Damian Priest? I honestly thought it was. I thought they were going right? to like shine a light on this because it was had the same silhouette, the same hair, and everything. I was like, that's Man Mountain Rock. 
But no, you 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 think they would have you think they would have spotlighted that. So yeah. probably not. Probably not. Uh, Cold Badu left us another super chat again. Thank you very much. Cold says, "I'll say this again: Shotzi is a star. She is. Yeah, she, she it it worked for her tonight. It really did." Um, next we have well, we have Cameron Grimes who's panicking backstage because <laughs> you know he he thought that when he agreed to the match it'd be a match and. William Regal is being the most unsettling version of himself as he comes over and he says, uh, let's just go to the parking lot. A lovely van is waiting for you. <laughs> I mean, suddenly Cameron Grimes becomes the most relatable wrestler of, of all time in that segment there. We might as well just go ahead and talk about it, Alex. Yeah. Uh, because that this was something we it's led us into the house of terror match which began with a very b movie style uh intro um which was essentially the match between cameron grimes and dexter loomis uh he's walking onto the property he's scared he's calling out to loomis loomis is in a tree but he doesn't <laughs> see him he enters the house he's he's a little afraid there's a spooky tricycle that comes forth. No, but that's for good. Like an un an unmanned tricycle, it, it goes past. Like Loomis, you got kids, and I'm like, I, that was it. Like I cackled so loud, and then for the rest of this bit, not the not the thing that happened in in part two of the House of Chairs, but everything that happened in the house, <laughs> I was cackling so loud you could have heard me from space. Like this was everything. Like Cameron Grimes is the only guy. Who could have done this right? Like, and also Loomis just like Loomis. I'm in a tree, and they would he's just there in a tree, and then he's in a he's in a closet, and then he's just there no selling everything. Uh, and then Cameron Grimes, we gotta talk about this. He goes into the bathroom, and there's a lady in the shower, and he's like, "Oh wow, titties!" Like he's just <laughs> the biggest damn dumb redneck ever. I love, I love how he's decided. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm completely turning my character into car- my my guy into a cartoon character. Like just the idea of like, well, I didn't know Loomis had a sister. Let me disrobe and get all my, take off my vest and my hat. And oh my, I'm, oh no, you're a zombie. Like it was just so good. I'm Jesus. feeling kind of dry is what he said. <laughs> it was so he did say that. It was so stupid. But yes, there's zombies everywhere. Zombies in the shower. There's in the a closet. zombie ref. There's a ref who's doing the Blair Witch Project thing where he's standing in a corner. And he turns around and he's a zombie too. Oh, this is so good. And so uh, hey, there's even zombies in the vertical blinds as well. That's you know, true. they're they're going going around anyway. So uh, Loomis Loomis is in there. They they sort of fight, but Grimes hits the deck. He's like, "I'm out of here." Smartest horror movie uh, move you could ever do. Uh, he runs to the van, tells the driver, "Let's get out of here." But the driver is Dexter Loomis, so he starts footing it, foots it all the way back to the Capitol Wrestling Center. He gets in and he collapses in the spooky graveyard set. Within the within the center, and the Cirque du Soleil zombies attack him. Yep, yep. And uh, he gets into the ring. He's saying basically saying the zombies can't get in here, but they can. <laughs> yeah, I'm Cameron Grimes. You better stop. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a line forever, man. That's got that's that's gonna go down in history. He gets into the ring. Uh, Loomis creeps on him. Uh, he hits a spine buster on Grimes. The zombies join in. Loomis. Grimes even caves in a zombie at some point. Not literally, like the move is what I is what yeah, I'm yeah, no, no, trying to say. Very true. 
Um, another zombie spiders around Loomis, and then he gorilla presses her onto Grimes. But eventually, yeah. Grimes just he gets knocked out. He gets locked into the silence and and passes out. And the zombies start contorting around Grimes as the lights flash out or burn out on the ring. I mean, this was this was just it was just stupid. Oh well, yeah, but like this is the thing: is that it's only as stupid as they as they uh, uh, make it out to be. Like the thing about the House of Horrors matches, they wanted you to believe that Randy Orton and 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 Bray Wyatt were having an actual fight inside this dilapidated old house. Oh, by the way, did you see the demon backwards tractor outside? Spooky! <laughs> like this match was all done ton in cheek. It was totally campy. Like you could tell by 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 Grimes's reaction to everything and the way Loomis was moving around and everything. Like it was like scary, but it wasn't. Like and they know it. They know they can't deliver an actual horror movie, so mm-hmm. they deliver basically a spoof of one in which, like redneck Shaggy from Scooby Doo, is in there like running around, and then it's like, oh my god, a, a lady! Like it's just, <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous, and they know it's ridiculous. So we are allowed to join in on the phone, uh, on the fun. Um, but whereas some of these other things are trying to be really actually scary, and that that's never going to work unless you're five. Like it's never this. This all was was I thought, especially everything on location. I thought was handled really really well. When you go back to the actual, uh, you know, the Capitol Wrestling Center, and it's, as you say, Cirque du Soleil zombies, like people like contortionists in zombie makeup, it's not nearly as effective as like, you know, actually being able to use cuts and editing and all that kind of stuff. But it still worked because, listen, Cameron Grimes is fighting zombies in the ring. Like if, you, if you're like, oh, but I hate cinematic matches, like just allow yourself to to just appreciate what this was and what they were trying to do that's exactly it they it, ultimately they, they weren't taking it too seriously right right and that's i think that's what's made it that's what made it work um for for what it was because yeah you know you talked about the randy orton match but even even some of the more recent attempts at cinematic matches were all taken uh, just a little too seriously a little too much up uh too much up there, their 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 ass, really. Um, and tonight it was it was lighthearted. It was just it was just stupid fun. Is what it, I do want to say. You guys skipped over what may have been the best cameo of the night. Yes, Michael Hayes gets out of the van, and Cameron Grimes just looks at him and goes, "I hate rednecks." Before getting in the back of the van, <laughs> which just maybe is the funniest thing I've ever Very seen. True. True. And. Uh, Vic Joseph saying zombies are legal in this match. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween yep. Havoc was a blast. Hollow, uh, not Halloween, but yes, Halloween Havoc was a blast. But the Nerd Guru left us a super chat. Thank you very much. And says, uh, fun fun fact, the name of the doctor in the Halloween movie was Loomis. So this works on many levels. That's right. There is uh, there, there is something something very unique about it. I'm pretty sure that they thought about it when they gave him the name Dexter Loomis. Anakin JMT left us a super chat as well. Thank you again very much. Anakin says, politely have to disagree with Alex. The dumbest thing about the House of Horrors was Bray didn't want to didn't want it to be for the title he had just lost. Well, listen, no, th- there was a lot of stuff about that was stupid because uh, Bray had just been drafted to the other show. 
So it was like he wasn't allowed to challenge for it. But then, like, later, he had a whole – he was just going to, like – it was all stupid. The House of Horrors match was entirely stupid. But I, I contend that backwards Demon Tractor was still the stupidest <laughs> part of it. Santos Escobar uh, defeated Jake Atlas in a match that happened. Uh, Santos is in control early before Atlas comes back with the Rainbow DDT for a near fall that uh, uh, that uh, Escobar's cronies come and break up. Atlas hits a Topicon Hilo on uh, uh, Del Fantasma, on, who are both on the floor. But uh, Mendoza headbutts him with the loaded uh, Lucha mask and rolls him back into the ring, and Escobar gets the win. Is there anything to add here, Alex? Um, I, I, well, I, I loved his his Mysterio cosplay from sure. from from the from the the Halloween Havoc we all remember with the purple suit and the, and the skull face. Uh, I thought that was great. I don't, I don't know, man. Like the the, the cruiserweight division is 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 weird. Um, like we had that amazing six man uh, the other week, last week, whenever it was, and this felt felt like it was like a thing we have to do because we're going to do a two hour show. It didn't feel like it was earned in any way. Um, mm-hmm. But but I, I I I love Escobar, and I think Atlas has has a bright future. But right now, it just felt like it was a thing that they needed to do because they had to fill time. Yeah. Pat McAfee is here with us tonight, and he's accompanied by uh, Danny Birch and Oni Lorkin. And he has a microphone, oh. and he, he gives a bit of a rundown at everything that w- that's been going on with him, because he's a busy man. He says, after TakeOver 31, after he put on a hell of a show for a guy who's never had you know, tr- long time training, giving the performance of, of the night, Adam Cole didn't even come over to say thank you. Thank you for giving me all that I can handle. That scumbag, as he says, that scumbag instead flexed over me. And as he was on his private jet going back home to Indianapolis, God, I love that line. That's so good. All he could think about was how much of a bum Adam Cole is. Uh, and then he starts rattling off all the lists of shows, his accomplishments, his YouTube channel, getting a million uh, subscribers, just talking about sports, not doing stupid shit. Um, and he says, uh, he says he could, because of everything he had going on, he couldn't be down in Orlando to take care of Cole. So we called Ridge Holland. What did he call him? A younger, a stronger? younger, more handsome, uh, better built version of myself. There you go. And uh, so he says, what kind of, how much money would you want to take out Adam Cole? He says, I just need a car. Oh, okay, cool. So here's a Mercedes. And then he hired Lorcan and Birch, who had turned down his offer at first because they're good boys. But then they decided to flip over to the dark side. And he give, he gets a microphone into Danny Birch's hand, but the Undisputed Era music hits and Kyle O'Reilly comes out to stand off with all three guys. Kyle O'Reilly, not a complete idiot baby face yet because he doesn't hit the ring to get pummeled by three guys. Good for him. Doesn't have stupid baby face syndrome just yet. But as he's standing outside and we're waiting for backup, who comes out for backup? None other than Peter Dunn. Pete Dunn, former NXT UK champion. He comes to the ring and he has he comes bringing chairs, one for him, one for Kyle O'Reilly. They hit the ring. The uh, heels disperse, but Pete Dunn doesn't wait 
all that long to crack the chair across Kyle O'Reilly's back. And the heels gang up on Kyle O'Reilly. They do an elevated DDT on the chairs. Pat McAfee stands in the ring with Oni, with Danny, and with Pete. As the Nerd Guru left us in a super chat. Thank you very much, by the way, Nerd Guru. He says, can you hear that in the distance? William Regal saying, War Games. Um, okay. Uh, so all of this was fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys caught Pat McAfee, like basically giving this promo in res- on Twitter in response to a, somebody, you know, asking him a question or whatever. Off the cuff, two minutes and 20 seconds, tied up all the loose ends, gave himself motivation, uh, t- talked about why he chose Ridge Holland, talked about how Ridge Holland did his job. So I didn't know I didn't I didn't like take the car back like no Tixies backsies. He did his job. Poor guy. He got hurt. Wish him all the best. Uh, P's and T's. He says P's and T's go out to Mr. Ridge Holland. Um, but I, I need somebody to back him up. So who better than the guy who took him out? So I call Oni Lork and he says, no, we don't want to do business that way. Then they lose to Undisputed Era and they call me back. And so he says, let's do business. Great. That's it. He told the whole story, tied up all the loose ends, gave everybody motivation, talking about his plans going forward. It was all sewn up so easily. I was like, this this guy, not only should he be a regular in on NXT, um, you can fight whenever he feels like it, whenever the actual motivation strikes him to actually have a match, but he should be managing people. Um, he should also write everybody's fucking promos. <laughs> like, it was so efficient, so clever, um, it absolutely told all the story bits. We did. Every time we say, just make it make sense. Mm-hmm. Figure out a way to, to like, give a guy a mic in two minutes and make it make sense. He made everything make sense. So he comes out in, in the ring. He delivers basically the same promo. Um, and it was it was all perfect. Um, Kyle O'Reilly coming out. like That's my baby face, Kyle O'Reilly, that I've loved for three weeks. And before that, I hated him because he was a bad guy. Now I love him. He's so great. He comes out and like, if you had said, who's going to come out and and stand alongside him? I would have had like 75 guesses before I said Peter Dune. Pete Dunn coming out there. And not only that, it's it's Pete Dunn, but he's shredded. He is, Mm -hmm. that man lived like inside a gym for quarantine. He was at the gym and they called the quarantine lockdown. You can't go home, Pete. He's like, that's all right. I'll just live here. And he just, and he always, all he did was like, like just drink water and eat and shred weights. That's all he was doing this entire time. He looks amazing. That moment where he gets on the apron with Kyle O'Reilly and like hands him a chair without looking at him was so badass. And I was like, oh, I can't wait for this, but I can't wait more for Pete Dunn immediately turning on uh on on Kyle O'Reilly um because he's always hated the undisputed era this is true it doesn't it doesn't matter what alignment the undisputed era are to Pete they are all sacks of crap mm-hmm. he hates them like Roddy Strong turned on him at, at war games um they had that like everything like uh, all of it it's it's he hates them with every fiber of his being. It doesn't matter that they're good guys now. I hate them. Oh, what's that, uh, Pat McAfee? You're you're gonna beat up the undisputed era. I want in. Like and and of course the the first thing that goes through my mind is war games. Like it's it's I can't wait for that announcement. And uh, again, 
all of this, like if like war games this year, who's it gonna be? Because last year was like Ciampa was in it and Keith Lee and all all these people that like Dijak ended up being in it, all this stuff. Um, and it's like major major star power. But the thing is, is you all you gotta do is get uh Pete Dunn breaking people's fingers and uh Oni Lorkin and, and Danny Burch throwing headbutts and doing it's all elbows akimbo and and Pat McAfee doing a swanton off the top of the damn cage. I'm like, okay, great. Let's do all of that. Can we do it mm-hmm. tomorrow? I they if they if that's if if the reason why that uh NXT isn't in Survivor Series is just so they can give us like an hour and a half long uh war games match. Like, please, let's let's do all of that. Sure. Absolutely, I agree. I liked it. <clears throat> I tweeted out sometimes the simplest angles are the best. So great. It's so great. So y- you don't have to overconvolute things. Look at how simple this was. We didn't stretch out the the Pete Dunn turn. It was all just like, oh "Hey, Pete God. Dunn's back!" Oh, and he, he he's you're gonna hate him again. It's he's, just as simple as that. And I just I feel like Bobby Heenan is up there going, "Pete Dunn is the fourth man." Like it's just it's perfect. <laughs> it was a perfect turn, perfect turn. And you guys touched on it, but there's so much logic that it almost yeah. hurts because you're not used to it. Like so true. This was so good. Yes. Yeah. And but you know what was happening? You, you know that you know when you when you that tingling feeling you get inside you when you're listening to something and you're like, this is all connecting and I can and I'm connecting all the dots. I'm able you know that feeling that that you get when you watch really good television shows, for instance, like like the first few seasons of Lost, for instance, where they're yeah. connecting shit together and you that's what I got tonight. Something I don't get a lot when I watch uh, WWE. George Yamin left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Says Pete Dunn didn't forget what Roddy and the Undisputed Era did to him. Absolutely. Just like our boy Alex observed here, it makes, even that makes sense. Yeah. Next, we had Rhea Ripley defeating Raquel Gonzalez in something we don't see every day. A two big meaty women (laughs) slapping (laughs) me. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> that's the stuff that happened. You know, it doesn't yeah. sound any better right. when you when you say men, folks. By the way, <laughs> um, no, but it's true. I mean, two two uh, big athletic women who just yeah. went after each other, striking at each other, headbutting each other. Huge lariats by Rhea Ripley that can take Gonzalez down. They're trying to hit power moves on each other. Finally, it's a drop kick that gets Gonzalez to the floor. Raquel even catches Rhea coming off the apron with a cannonball. Powers her on into the barricade. Gonzalez kicks out of the cloverleaf. There's a spinning slam uh, by Gonzalez on uh, on Ripley as well. Ripley gets backflipped off the top rope, and uh, she uh, but she she flubs a head scissors, but leads into a kick and the riptide for the win. Alex, I I dug this so much because it's a it's a style of wit. It's it's a type of wrestling that we don't see that often with the women because there aren't many Reina's and Raquel's and Rhea's yeah, yeah. in, in, in the world, in the world of wrestling in WWE. And on top of that, they're very good. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. It's the sirloin beef daughters of bitches, uh, division. And that sounds I'm, better I'm, than what I came up yeah, with. Yeah. Well, Jesus, I, I don't know if I have ever, Call the woman meaty and lived to tell the tale. But um, uh, listen, um, I I thought this was all great. And 
as much as I love Rhea Ripley, I thought she needed to lose this match. I thought that you could really build Raquel with, with a win over Rhea, especially because you have this amazing story that you can tell. Rhea Ripley goes in there super confident because she can overpower anybody. And she tries to overpower Raquel, and Raquel's like, no, I'm stronger than you. And so Raquel wins because Rhea is surprised she's never fought anybody like Raquel ever. So Rhea, however she gets it, she gets a rematch versus versus uh, Raquel. And that's when she busts out all of the agile stuff she was doing. Mm-hmm. She doesn't try, like, have her, have her do a match versus Raquel where she doesn't try one power move. She's just doing flying head scissors and stuff off the top rope and everything, which impresses the hell out of us. And the best part about it is Raquel's the perfect person to base all that stuff off of because she's so strong, she can take it. I think you have an amazing point where like where Rhea could get her win back and then he got the rubber match. And then it's a, a hybrid thing because then now Raquel can tell the story, oh, I'm prepared for all your flippy shit now, Rhea. Now what are you going to do? And now Rhea's got to figure out what's the best combination of both of my styles to take her out. And Rhea can win the feud, but I think the you have an amazing opportunity. They never do this anymore of... Uh, the, the the person coming in who we are rooting for is overconfident and loses the match and then is able to change something about their style, about their approach to win a second match. And then they go in there and like, okay, it's all tied one, one. How are we going to figure this thing out? Like th- that used to be a rudimentary, great wrestling storytelling arc and they never do it anymore. I thought it was a perfect opportunity to do it. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to have uh, Raquel probably who just, lost this get a get a match against uh Rhea again and Rhea will probably win that match and it'll just like it's just they think they're gonna build new heels by having them lose that's not a way to build a new heel mm-hmm. like you can't do that uh next we had a backstage backstage segment with uh Drake and uh, Killian Dane Drake Maverick and Killian Dane Drake Maverick is dressed as Hogan impersonating him all the way down to the 2.4 inch pythons. That was such a great line. They even recreate that uh, infamous, uh, that infamous <laughs> uh, uh, Halloween havoc uh, situation where the giant and the Yeti, the Yeti, come into the ring to sort of smother, <laughs> smother him. And uh, they even try to have Killian Dane come out with the sh- as the Shockmaster, but Drake is like, "Hey, you didn't trip," and Dane's like. Oh, yeah, I'm not doing that. You put that. I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a professional. I don't want to get injured backstage. What are you talking about? Uh, so Drake puts the mask on and then trips over himself. Essentially, um, quick thoughts on the segment, Alex. I think it was funny. Do you do you know how long it took me to make this? Was a great touch that that it was handmade by by uh, by by Drake. Drake puts it on and he falls over. It's good. Like, again, these guys should just be on TV doing something every weekend if they're not wrestling. They're absolute gold. Uh, the 2.4 inch uh, like line was that really that popped me. I thought that was great. And I like that that Killian is like playing along, even as he's like, like no, I, I hate the entrance. No, the music is terrible. But he's he's doing it in a congenial way. Yes. So yes. Like, yes, I'm I'm totally down for these guys. Do more and more and more of this stuff. The Yete and the Giant thing was just great, too. Just just great. <laughs> All that was missing for me was a botched fireball spot. Yeah, yes. And I would have had the perfect Halloween Havoc. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tommaso Ciampa is back, uh, cuts a promo, or at least has a segment of vignette. He says that he doesn't <laughs> recognize NXT anymore. Boy, howdy, Tommaso. Join the yeah. club. 
Yeah. Uh, he says the attitude, the culture, everyone walking around like they owe something, that they're owed something. He said uh, he's never been handed anything. And he says that it's uh, that it's his, that he is NXT. It's time for him to take back his title before saying that it all begins with Velveteen Dream. Uh, and uh, Ciampa once re- reiterates that Dream is a dead man. I I I love the way he did it. What's the old saying? Hit me with a cast once, shame on me. Hit me with a cast twice, you're a dead man. I'm like I'm pretty sure that's not the saying, Tommaso, but I like yours better. So we'll just go with that. <laughs> Xanthius left us a super chat. Thank you, Xanthius. It says, do not Google big women slapping meat. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, and then we move into our main event. Io Shirai successfully defended the NXT women's title against Candice LeRae. Poppy is here, Alex, for Io's entrance. And Jesus Christ, it was good. It was cool. Very cool. Yeah. I had tweeted you out that had I had Poppy was going to be at the uh, the Capitol Wrestling Center. I might have tried to go to that. That would have been a selling point for me because Poppy's good. She and, and the entrance was very, very good. They really went all out. Uh, I like it when they go the extra mile, especially when it's the women main eventing. I can dig it. Uh, we get the spin the wheel, make the deal, which is a tables, ladders, and scares match. What is it, Alex? Tables, ladders, and scares match is a, is is clever, but there was ex- exactly one scare. There was a, <laughs> there was a, a bag of fake body parts that scared Candace, and 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 EO picked one up and and hit her with it once, and that was it. And here's the other thing: I don't know if you noticed this, but it is a tables, ladders, and scares match. Nowhere in there does it say chairs are allowed. And yet there was an abundance of chairs being used left and right. Something seems fishy to me. If the chairs are going to be allowed, I feel like they should be in the tables, ladders, and chairs, and scares. You could add the scares at the end, but if you're going to use chairs that much, they use chairs so much. It just feels like it was dishonest. Whoa, well, Alex, wait a minute. I thought Katie Vick had never looked better, ever. And you're going to tell me that that wasn't enough for you? Katie Vick looked real good tonight coming out in front of that ring. Yeah, that's true. Um, Is this what a... Is this what a Halloween Grinch sounds like? <laughs> I, think, I think that's what it is. Um, but uh, this 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 match ruled, and I mean, there's yeah, just great. no other great way match. to to put it. It ruled. Uh, they pull out the they pull out the tables, uh, the, the chairs. They, they set up uh, they set up a ladder uh, again uh, up against the apron and the commentary early on. Ray Clobber, Shirai with computer monitors. Shirai Meteora's Larray against the stairs. Um, there's uh, Shirai does a missile drop kick and an air raid crash during the commercial. A double underhook backbreaker on Larray as well. She goes for the moonsault, but Larray moves out of the way, and uh, Shirai eats the ladders that are on the um, uh, that are on the uh, on the mat. Uh, Larray though gets suplexed onto an upright chair, which is always gnarly especially when you consider the final spot that Lorray takes. Um, Shirai tries to meteor Lorray against the ladder, but Lorray moves out of the way and she crashes into the ladder. She misses a 619 and eats a chair to the back instead. And uh, and uh, Lorray hits a swinging neck breaker off the apron through the double tables that were set up. That was pretty cool. Then we get another ghost face. Look at how small it was. I think, I think it was, you know, maybe the first one was Lillard. This was probably Skeet. 
coming yeah. in on this one. He's much uh, shorter than Matthew. Absolutely. Um, there, uh, she uh, she runs in and literally after the spot carries Larray up into the ring, puts her on her shoulder so that she can get up onto the ladder. Larray is is completely stunned. She she doesn't know what's going. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply on but uh Shotzi runs in interferes by uh by uh, by uh g- grabbing ghostface and back body dropping her onto or him hmm, onto the onto the chair uh Shirai uh, Shirai sort of regains consciousness on the ladder but uh not Shirai excuse me Larray regains consciousness on the ladder Shirai then comes in she she gets eye raked off the uh, uh off the ladder but Shirai's like, you know what? Screw this. And she pushes the ladder. Candace falls off onto the ladder that was set up against the apron and commentary in a hell of a bump. Shirai, climb, Shirai climbs up the ladder, retains her title. Candace LeRae is tougher than you, Alex. Oh, she's tougher than everybody. Um, uh, and this is especially tough for Candace LeRae fans. I don't know when they're, if ever, they would they would pull the trigger on Candice LeRae if not tonight, yeah. like during the crazy Halloween night where it was it was a, a hardcore match which she's so great in. Um, she got help from what was in the Ghostface thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnny won the first night match of the night, and them being like king and queen of 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 NXT Homecoming next week would be great. Um, it's a perfect thing. And who's to say she's got to keep the title forever? EO could win it back in like three weeks. Whatever you want to do with it. But if they're never, ever, ever going to give Candice LeRae, who is considered by many to be the greatest women's wrestler in the world, at least of the last seven to eight years, like if they're never going to put the title on her, she needs to like win a big huge, match. She does. It's a huge, huge misuse of Candice LeRae. Like we, we, we joke about how she was Mrs. Gargano for most of her career. And that's true. What is she now? If she's not Mrs. Gargano again, mm-hmm. she lost the big match that Johnny won on the same night. Yep. I mean, like, I don't know where you go with this, but it's, it's really disheartening. Like, I feel like, especially if you're going to give the title to Johnny, Candace has to also win the title. It just, it makes her look so poor by comparison next to her husband who wins all the titles, who can't stop winning titles, even when he turns heel. Like it just, it doesn't, it doesn't read right to somebody watching it from the outside. Like what, what do you want to do with her? 
is it is it just put her push her to almost the top then crush all of her dreams and hopes <laughs> that's not great like doesn't feel good it's not the best look i agree so that was nxt folks and uh, we are going to move on to AEW. and remember folks give the video a thumbs up don't forget that share the link put it out there into the universe and i will continue reading your super chats such as this one left by the nerd guru just to wrap up our NXT coverage. Thank you very much, Nerd Guru. He says, all this show was missing was a killer cross return. That would have been epic. I would have put it over the top. That's for sure. Yeah. AEW Dynamite. Two weeks uh, out of uh, two weeks out of or heading into full gear. We start off with uh, MJF and Wardlow who are backstage with the and uh they're being interviewed. MJF, is, MJF says he's proud of Wardlow, and he reminds us and Wardlow at the same time, but you kind of get the impression Wardlow wasn't quite aware of this, Robert, that uh, if Wardlow wins the title, um, since Wardlow is under contract with MJF and not AEW, well, MJF sort of becomes um, uh, becomes AEW champion because uh, you know, it's shared property, right? right. And Wardlow's like, uh, sure, pal. Whatever. A little more, uh, a little more crack there in that uh, in that uh, veneer between MJF and Wardlow. Yeah, they're taking that slow burn, but they got to get along next week. I think eventually MJF is going to leave Wardlow high and dry for his newfound friends in the inner circle, but it's going to be a while till we get there. Um. Sammy uh, Sammy Guevara comes in interrupting. He's saying, uh, basically telling MJF that he's never going to join the inner circle. Uh, they have the town hall meeting later on. Uh, they basically go back on each other. But uh, essentially, um, Sammy says that, you know, I'm going to destroy you during the, the, uh, the, during the town hall event. And uh, MJF calls him, says that he looks like a guy who sells Adderall to middle schoolers, which was... Solid. That it seems to me it had been a while since we got a proper MJF burn like that. That was a uh, that was top tier. Yeah, that's very accurate. I wonder if he came up with that off the cuff or if that one had a little bit of help. So we had that led us into the uh, first semi uh, final match of the AEW World Title Eliminator Tournament. Wardlow lost to Hangman Adam Page. Uh, Page goes off really really fast uh, with a quick uh, shotgun shotgun dropkick, but Wardlow basically uses his strength to stay on, uh, on top of Page. Page goes for the Pescado, but is caught by Wardlow, and, um, and, and then he gets, and, and then Page gets speared through the barricade. I mean, here's the thing, Robert. They're putting over the fact that Wardlow is a big, strong dude doing big, strong dude things on a guy who is big and strong as well, uh page made wardlow look like a million bucks tonight yeah and i think this is a credit to how good hangman is wardlow is really good but he's also been in there with like cody when we see him he's in there with somebody who can showcase him he didn't even have a match with you know moxley i think they're taking good care of wardlow because when he breaks out from mjf they know they need to have him ready to be a strong character. Absolutely. 
Um, Page um, Page goes for an initial buckshot, buckshot lariat, but it's ducked and reversed into a big lariat by Wardlow. Uh, Hangman also eats an F10, but he rolls to the floor. And I liked how commentary put over the fact that, you know, Wardlow, he's a little he's a little green behind the ears. This is Hangman's experience here calling, calling for it. I like that. There's some top rope shenanigans that, uh, that happen that ends with uh, Hangman hitting an overhead belly-to-belly toss. And then he lands not one, but two buckshot lariats to put the big Wardlow away. What did you think of the match overall? Great match. Strong match. I, I think they probably knew that they'd be up against a big championship match from NXT. This was a really solid opener. Predictable finish, but that's good sure. because this match we're getting at full gear is the one that we've been building to. Oh, it's the one we wanted. Year. Sure. I mean, like we said early on, it's just because the ending is predictable doesn't mean that the outcome is going to is not going to be fun. This was, I agree, but this was a strong match and it was a good putting over of uh, Wardlow as a as a big strong guy. Just like uh, I will say, I think yes, Dark is on YouTube and it's great, and more people watch YouTube. But you need to start giving people big wins on Dynamite more often. I agree. I agree. John Moxley cuts a cuts a promo saying basically that this match with Eddie Kingston that he has coming up is personal. And he says, the, this miserable excuse-making son of a bitch, Eddie Kingston, uh, there isn't no there ain't no room for him in AEW. That leads us into our match with Eddie Kingston versus Matt Seidel. And before the match, Kingston calls out the fact that Moxley is at home because he's a coward and he's here fighting. Um, and uh, instead of fighting Moxley, he's going to take it out on a man who tried to steal his thunder at the Casino Battle Royal, that uh, of which he was never eliminated, and he shouts out Lance Archer, who was in the audience looking at this, perhaps sowing some seeds for an eventual confrontation. Uh, this was a fun match. Seidel, Seidel uses some submission attempts and his quickness to get the best of Kingston. Kingston lands a senton, but eats more kicks. There's a hurricane runner from the top rope and a meteora by Seidel. Kingston hits a spinning back fist and then locks in the bulldog choke for the win. And not only does he lock it in for the win, he locks it in there for a while until uh, he actually gets Seidel to say, I quit. Into the I, I love this. Nice touch. I like this. So... It's old school wrestling tropes. Like he's going to say, he's going to call him Moxley and act like this is all what he's going to do to Moxley. But it, just because it's an old school wrestling trope doesn't mean it's overplayed, especially for this audience. It worked perfectly. Seidel's not signed. He can afford to take whatever loss they want to give him. Mm-hmm. And this was good. Next, we had a sit down interview between FTR and the Young Bucks. Uh, I'm going to pull out the, uh, the 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 talking points here. I think first and foremost, the fact that uh, um, Matt is trying to undersell his ankle injury during the interview with the championship team, while Nick is saying, "Nah, man, you're really hurt." I don't understand what that strategy is. Aren't you guys supposed to be a team here to to win? Basically, Nick basically telling Matt, "You can't even play with your kids, pal. You're hurt." Um, it's a hat on a hat on a hat because we have the one dream match in North American tag team wrestling and they decide that they're just going to make it about all these different things when really you could have put them in the ring 
week one and people would have given what they wanted. Let's get to all of that because I completely agree with you, Robert. Uh, they do mention the fact that it's a dream match. Dak says, I'm not about dream matches. I just want, I'm, this is another one that I have to win. And I can dig that coming from your champions, right? This is, this is cool from your heel champions, I should say. That's fine. I can dig that. I would like the young bucks to be like, yeah, man, we've been taking sh- veiled shots at each other on Twitter and on our, and on our web show. Uh, we've been taking shots at each other for years now. This is, you know, kind of thing. But uh, but no, uh, this eventually leads into FTR leaving because Excalibur just wants to talk to the Bucks. And um, and they basically do the Cody stipulation, mm-hmm. Robert, where it, they, the Bucks said, if we lose at full gear, we will never challenge for the tag titles again. I am not sure I like this. I think it is a hat on a hat on a hat, like you very aptly put it. I I I'm not sure I like it. I don't think it needs these stakes. I I think I don't understand why they're just not resting on the fact that it's FTR versus the Bucks, and that's all we needed. It, the the plainest, most vanilla stuff in this case here would have been super tasty. But what are your thoughts? So I appreciate the fact that they waited for the championships to be at stake. Because you have to put over the fact that dream matches are nice, but the titles are what matter in wrestling. Sure. And I immediately, I assumed when they said we're going to make an announcement that it would be, if we lose, we'll never team up again. But like to do the exact same stipulation that Cody did, it's it's really weird. It's not only is it weird, it shows the indulgence and it's it's fucking egregious, really, that these people are going to be like, well, look at us. We're so kind to the rest of the roster that we will never put ourselves in a title picture again. It doesn't matter. We watch AEW because you guys are the top stars. Arguably, Cody should have been the world champion and made that belt mean something. Now he goes around touting the TNT belt and it's great. But he could have done so much more for the world title. Same thing with the Young Bucks here. I hope they don't do what Cody did and go in there and lose and then say, oh, well, that's it. We can never challenge for the tag titles because then why are you a tag team in this organization? We don't need you. Yeah, um, I what I hope is that uh, like Cody, they go in and lose this match, which means they can't tag chance for those tag titles again. But here's these new tag belts we oh. just had created. And we're going to win those. Like, cause that was the weird thing about the Cody thing was like, I can't challenge for the title ever again, but here's a new title I invented and I'm going to be the first champion. Um, it's a, that's a weird thing to do. Um, it also didn't, didn't the Cody lose. So he can't ever challenge for it again. Thing happened at full gear last year. Yep. So is, is it going to be about the thing? Year to the point. At every full gear, there's going to be, if I lose this match, I'll never challenge for it again. Is that going to be like a thing they do every year? Like maybe like with Hell in a Cell, eventually at full gear, they'll be like four. If I lose this championship match, I'll never challenge for this title again. In 20 years, they're going to realize it's like, oh, there's only uh, Michael Nakazawa left who can challenge for a world title. So here's the thing. If they lose and then in January, they introduce like, trios belts i'm just gonna be pissed because (laughs) again you don't need this i get what they're doing they're doing the whole oh well we're honest with you we tell you that we're the evps i would have much rather you lie to me and just 
be the stars in your promotion that we need you to be. And as far as the ankle injury, I think this is Matt Jackson, for lack of a better phrase, wanking himself off to all the people who say they don't sell. Road Warrior Buck never sells. Because they listen to all that crap and then they want to go, I'll show you. I'll, I'll take this dream match right. and I'll make it crappy because I'm going to sell my ankle the whole time. It's like That's when not they were, what I want. Like when they were in New Japan and, he, and, and Ring of Honor. And he, he just sold, and he sold a back for injury like for, minutes, for 18 for like months. Seven months. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I, I also feel they tried to give an explanation as to why the Bucks are turning heel or at least why they're, they're, go, they're, they're iffy. They're doing strange things. I'm, I didn't give me your thoughts on that. You know, basically saying, you know, there were so many people over the past few months doing bad things. They were turning our friends against us. You know, you guys were manipulating our friends and we were just in a bad place. It sounds like a YouTuber apology at some point, you know? I think arguably that's the generation they're going for, but I think it's almost oxymoronic to the stipulation because finally they're saying, you know, we've been too nice, but they also want to give themselves that stipulation of we won't put ourselves over too much while basically saying we're angry because we haven't been putting ourselves over and we could be a lot more dickheaded than we've been. This is true. Dasha and Tony host the AEW Town Hall. Um, the Inner Circle comes out. Sans Jake Hager, who is probably training for his upcoming Bellator match. I don't know. He wasn't there. And basically, we have uh, AEW wrestlers, or guests anyway, inviting, uh, asking questions to MJF and, um, and Jericho. The first question by Luchasaurus, where he basically asks about whether or not MJF is going to continue the economic prosperity of um, of the inner circle. MJF has a graph. That's fine. Britt Baker asks Jericho. Uh, she points out that uh, uh, MJF has a poor record in regards to friendships. So Jericho says that he's not a dipshit like Cody. Peter Avalon comes in, asks if he can join the, the, the inner circle. Everyone laughs. And then Eric Bischoff arrives. Who has a three-pronged question? Because of course, of course, Bischoff is going to have all these all these questions set up. Um, it talks about the the famous uh, ask the question in regards to the famous JFK quote: "Ask not what you can do for what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country." So MJF, what can you do for the inner circle? And he says, "Bring friendship." It says another question for MJF: "What do you believe the inner circle can do for you?" And he says, you know, there's one den in my armor working with the group. So that'd be great. Eric calls, uh, Bischoff calls Jericho a prima donna and Jericho takes offense to it, which I thought was really funny. And eventually Shivani tells Jericho to sit down, which, which, you know, if you know, if you know your WCW history, that had to make you, that had to make you giggle a bit. Um, And, but, um, but Jericho says that, uh, not Jericho, excuse me, Bischoff says that MJF has the same characteristics what will keep them from killing each other? And Jericho would like to know. MJF says, look, what more do you want? I've given you gifts. I've given you a good TV. We've had the best segment in the history of pro wrestling. What have I haven't done for you? What have I, what I haven't, what haven't I done? And Jericho says, you haven't beaten me. And we're getting Jericho versus MJF at full gear. And if MJF wins, he gets to join the inner circle, Robert. What do you think about all of this? I like this, but I think that there is more to this story because so far we've literally had everything, including a song and dance, 
to take us to this moment just for them to say, hey, we're going to fight. We're going to fight because I want to be friends with you. That's a very weird thing. Like, I'm going to fight you to earn your respect. Fine. I think by the end of this, the, the inner circle goes with Maxwell and Jericho is on his own or maybe he's off to uh that Fozzie save the world tour which is actually still a thing in november and december so maybe that's what it is i don't know i am intrigued i'm glad they're doing something at the show and shout out to Britt baker for actually asking an intelligent question alex i don't know if you got to see the segment at all yeah uh the note noteworthy thing for me was the uh the the callback to the woman who hit on Trump at the at the town hall debate they had that you had I think Reba do that uh, yeah. this this was this was interesting like it's a weird thing like they're they I I feel like you don't need to work so hard to get to this point like um I'm I I did love the moment where like you haven't beaten me I'm like okay great that's you need you, you didn't need to do all the other things all the yeah and you should have started there that moment. That's the moment. Just have that moment. Everything else before that didn't it didn't feel like necessary. Um, we've all been waiting to get to that point. When are you gonna guys gonna fight? Uh, they're gonna fight this. Like f- with this on the line, feels like it's not going to be. Uh, I wanted them to like come to blows, hate each other, and fight as opposed to this all faking how much we're friends. Uh, but now you must beat me in honorable hand-to-hand competition, and then I shall allow you into my club. It just feels uh, false. Uh, so what I feel like is we are getting eventually to a um, the inner inner circle grows. It adds Wardlow and some other people, in, and then it splits, and we're going to get an NWO red and an MWO black and white. And we're going to get two warring factions with with Jericho leading one and MJF leading the other. And I think that's where we're going to wind up being the inner circle and the more inner circle, the circle that's inside the other circle. Like, I feel like there's there's things that they could do that, that would be fun within that faction war. I noticed that they're already doing the Sammy and Ortiz hate mm-hmm. MJF. Yes. yes. Santana's kind of okay with it. Yeah, and- it's fine. Hager's too busy getting rock hard for a fight to care right now, but you know, maybe that adds something to it. I think really, like Alex said, they're trying too hard to get to a match that again, these are all easy sells. Yeah. yeah. And then I think the match itself is probably going to be like, hey, I'll hit you with a low blow. No, I'll hit you with brass knuckles. And it's going to be just them trying to out heal each other, which might be fun. But I, I don't know how much you can really do with that on a pay-per-view. Yeah. I mean, the thing about them is I love them so much is I um, I, I, I fully expect them to do something along the lines of, hey, I, I like your hat. You know what would look even better? If I took this hat and put it on top of your hat. Ooh, ooh what if I put this hat on top of that hat? That'd be great. Because they, they know what they're doing. They they absolutely know what they're doing. They're they're they're, they're tongue in cheek enough to re- realize the things that they're doing, which is why I believe they're going to drop all of that and just get back to actual basics. Zach Barber left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Says two people fighting each other uh, for respect is totally a pro wrestling thing. Absolutely, yeah. it yeah, absolutely sure. is. And like Robert pointed out, Ortiz and uh, Sammy next week are going to be uh, fighting MJF and Wardlow because they have issues with MJF joining the inner circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we have a team Taz vignette. We're still wondering whether 
whether uh, Will Hobbs is in or out of Team Taz. And just before we talk about the other match, Anakin JMT left us a super chat again. Thank you, Anakin. And he says, and if you want to get rock hard like Hager, yeah, uh, I, then they ain't giving us nothing tonight. So thank you very much, Anakin. <laughs> but you know what to do. You know, that's it. Uh, Orange Cassidy uh, versus Cody happened for the TNT title. Um, it, it was a lumberjack match. Cody comes out with the Nightmare Family. The inter- uh, the excuse me, the Dark Order is outside of the ring as well. The best friends, uh, Jurassic Express. There's a whole bunch of people out there. Um, what I liked about this match, Robert Cassidy, was uh, all business. Right? He teased doing the hands and pockets thing, but no, there was no time for shenanigans. And this is something that I moan and complain about on a regular basis when I see wrestlers who don't put, who are half-assing it during a title match. You know, if you want your titles to feel important, yes, on one hand, put them on good champions, but also get the challengers invested in the matches. So I like that. I liked, I I like this part of the, uh, I I like this aspect of Orange Cassidy during this match. This was one of the better things he's ever done. Like, I like, funny characters you know what else i like those serious wrestlers and if you can do both that's when you're making money and orange cassidy was really good tonight outside of that what the hell was this this was you know how cody always says oh baby faces and heels are antiquated terms this was the visualization of that concept because everybody's just hitting everybody and i don't know why Mm mm-hmm why exactly but other than loyalties i guess you know like there was the trust fall at some point where orange cassidy falls into the best friend's arms right off the table uh, off the apron so they push him back into the ring cody does the same thing falls off the apron into the uh into their arms but they let him fall they, they drop him and uh the nightmare family take uh take umbrage to that uh, but uh, this all gets back into the ring. Cassidy hits the tornado DDT. There's a superplex to the floor as well into the into the lumberjacks. Uh, the beach break can't get the job done. The dark order distract the referee and they attack Cassidy. Arm gets a punch in then on Orange Cassidy, who just got attacked by John Silver, and then eats a crossroads and then gets pinned. Then there's a big schmoz. Darby Allen is pulling off his best sting impression from the rafters. And then the gun club are left in the ring and they take out and, and awesome gun takes out 10 with an arm drag. <laughs> I t- what? I don't understand. Like, I, I don't feel this was a successful rendering of what they wanted. Robert. Cassidy and Cody could have had a good thing down the line. Had they waited for some reason, they didn't feel like waiting. I like that Silver and Cassidy are going to fight on the bye, and that might be one of the most entertaining matches from yes. a comedy standpoint. Yes. I like that Arn got physical because he is still the enforcer. It should matter when he moves. But again, why are suddenly best friends are mad at Cody? Arn's, Arn getting physical just makes me go, good, now be a heel, go with Tully, put Cody with FTR, and let's just do this thing. If you're going to do it, let's just do the thing and go there. If you're doing this just for a one-week thing of, well, that was circumstantial for the situation, I don't care. Then I don't care. Then, like, what are you building to? Why do you have pay-per-views? Best friends run into uh, Miro and Kip Sabian backstage, and they say they have presents 
for the best friends. Um, Penelope Ford arrives dressed as Orange Cassidy to give them the package, but uh, the best friends get jumped. And uh, Miro says that they, he will never forgive them for what they did to the cabinet. And inside the package was the control board for the video game arcade cabinet. That this they is a, a replacement, right? This isn't. They're not like saying, I don't know. "Aha, it was, it was final along." Because that would be real, real bad. I, I said I'd say it every single podcast I got the chance to. Did you know that Miro was John Cena's last official opponent at WrestleMania? Five years ago? What are you doing with this guy? You get this guy off of WWE. Everybody thinks he should have been a world champion. He comes in and tells you to shove your brass ring up your ass. Great. Now he's playing with joysticks. Great. I don't know why I'm supposed to be emotionally invested in him other than saying, hey, that guy was on WWE TV once upon a time. That, that, that guy should be breaking people in half. Yes. Every week. And afterwards, he demands... Not none it demands a shot at a title. And and like and I will keep stacking the bodies until you give me one. That should be his thing. Like shove your brass ring up your ass is a great immediate thing. But when he was introduced as Kip Sabian's best man, all bets were off at that point. Like that was the way they wanted to like that's his first role in the company is Kip Sabian's buddy. Like he could he should have just come in and started breaking people, but they didn't do that. Yeah. No, they didn't. They, and and he and he could break people with a smile. Right. I mean, that's what that's what he's really good at. Sure. We had. Uh, OK. New NWA World Women's Champion Serena Deeb signed AEW talent fighting Layla Hirsch for the NWA women's title. Layla Hirsch, who is a fantastic wrestler, do not get me wrong, but is neither signed with AEW nor with NWA. So. Uh, so I mean, in a vacuum, this match was fantastic. But when you sort of try to, when you get the big picture out of it, you're like, what the hell is going on? But uh, Deep cuts a promo before uh, before the match, uh, basically establishing the fact that she won it last night. And, and commentary put over the fact that she got on a plane and brought it over here. Hell, they did, there's still Thunder Rosa's picture in the in the belt. That's how quickly she she rushed over. Lots of ground game to start. Hirsch is on top of things. Deep dra- uh, arm drags her way out of uh, out of those locks. Uh, Layla Hirsch lariats her down. Meteor in the corner with an assisted drop kick uh, off of the top, uh, the second turnbuckle as well. Good, good stuff. Uh, Deeb has a uh, did, does a hanging neck breaker over the second rope by jumping down off the apron. That was cool stuff as well. Uh, there's a German suplex as well by Hirsch. Um, uh, uh, Deeb avoids a moonsault, swinging neckbreaker followed by a, a, a standard neckbreaker by Deeb, and she does that arm-locked single-leg crab on Hirsch for the win. I like Layla Hirsch. She's fantastic. She's a she's uh, an up and riser on the independent circuit. She had a she had a good match at uh, Bloodsport over uh, over the Collective a couple of weeks ago as well. Uh, Deeb is fantastic. Anyone with two eyes already knew that. Uh, like I said, I have no problems with the match, Robert. This, I, I think this was a very, very solid women's match. It's just so weird. You know, the context around it. It's weird. Now, I, I have no idea what the financials are of AEW. But if I'm them, I sign Layla Hirsch today I then go to the Indies. I sign Alley Cat. I sign Nicole Savoy because the talent is out there. 
And matches like this go a long way in showing that because you end up going, wait, so this isn't for your championship. This is for a championship that your signed competitor isn't holds apparently. And uh, Layla Hirsch isn't signed by anybody. And it just gets confusing when AEW should be trying to rule the world of women's wrestling. Now, granted, when you're up against matches like EO and Candice and Raquel and Rhea, you're not going to do it overnight, but they should at least be trying. And to sum this all up, I'd like to read you a tweet from Allison Kay, former NWA Women's Champion, that says, Oh, two people not even on the NWA roster. Cool, cool. And then she follows that up with, Oh, wait, our roster is like three people deep. Never mind. Continue. Take that for what you will, but that sums up how I feel about God, this whole thing. I love Allison K so damn yeah. much. Uh, Anakin left us a super chat. Thank you, Anakin. He says, Rob, Bert D. Felice, do you not count Miz at thirty at uh, WrestleMania 33 as a legit opponent? No, because that match was to build to an engagement that we're no longer allowed to talk about. So, moving on. Touche. Zach Barber left us another super chat. Thank you very much, Zach. Uh, he says uh, AEW needs to sign Layla Hirsch right now. I, I would do it. I really would. Great match. And she has a look that uh, that uh, no one else on the roster has right now. Solid stuff. And she's she's very young still in pro wrestling. She's very very young. Uh, but there's still so much so much she could do uh, for the for the division there. And so to your point though, Robert, as you were talking about AEW, you know, putting on. NWA matches on TV. And in the meantime, we're like, well, where's where's our champion? Where's Sheeta? And she gets a little backstage segment where it's like Mar- with Alex Marvez, where Alex Marvez says, Nyla Rose is refusing to wrestle until you give her a shot at the title. And Sheeta says, okay, I'll give her a shot at full gear. Now, here are my two complaints with this. First of all, this is really how you're going to build your AEW women's championship match at full gear with a throwaway segment anchored by Alex Marvez, who's just going to ask a question and be like, no. And second of all, if I'm Hikaru Shida, I'm like, oh, so Nyla doesn't want to wrestle because until I give her a shot, I, I, I'm okay with that. Uh, let, let Tony Khan handle it. Cause I'm sure that's a breach of contract kind of thing, but that's just me, Robert. What do you think? So Nyla Rose arguably should have been their first champion to begin with. But I get it. They wanted to put over the Joshi relationship. And Riho was great. I'm not knocking Riho. But Nyla Rose gets the belt. Doesn't do much. She has an okay run. But doesn't really have the run that she could. They stick her with Vicky Guerrero. And then probably forget anything about Nyla Rose. And for the life of me, I don't know why. Like, she's there. They could have done so much more. And if you were really going to do this thing where, hey, Nyla Rose is refusing to wrestle you, why isn't Nyla on television, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Instagram, on something, saying, I'm not getting the raging. Yep. And if you want to see the Native Beast, if you want to see the longest reigning AEW Women's Champion, you're going to have to make this match happen. And then Sheeta, if you're so okay with that, why aren't you out there challenging Nyla? Hey, I see you sitting on your ass. Do something. Mm-hmm. I, it's not that this is bad. It's just it shows a lack of care, and that's not okay. And 
I, I will underscore this, and it's a hill I'm willing to die on. Nyla Rose is one of the more most improved wrestlers of 2020. At this very stage last year, in 2019, I was cringing at the idea of watching Nyla Rose wrestle because I thought she was sloppy. I don't. She wasn't. She wasn't uh, tight. She wasn't. She lacked clear amounts of polish. When she came back in January, started throwing people around. I thought her in ring improved dramatically. There's no reason why you could not have been having her take the spot of Sean Spears tonight and have her squash someone uh, to continue building her into the beast she is. Because I really do believe that she that she is one of the that that she's improved dramatically. She's one of the best talent that they have on their roster right now because she put in the effort. She trained. She got better. And uh, and we're all better off for it. Let's not forget the great match that she and Sheeta had. What was it? Double or, was it a double or nothing? It was yeah, a it double was or a, nothing. Yeah, that was absolutely fantastic. It was really really good. Um, there's no reason why Nyla Rose shouldn't be in any kind of angle on TV. She's she's a she's a, they treat her as a big deal. There's allegedly. Show us that you think she's a big And, and then there's the idea, again, you paired her with Vicky. Why isn't Vicky on television? Here's an idea. And, I'm, like, Dark has 16 matches a week. If you're going to have Dark run that long, run some angles. Utilize your women. Get something going because you have the time. You can do this. I think more needs to be done here. Sean Spears squooshed a guy. V- VSK. Uh, nothing to say here. C4 right off the bat. Adios, muchachos. That's the extent of my Spanish, by the way. Uh, and then there's someone who's throwing stuff at Spears at the end of the match. And it's a guy in a with a, a, a bull's head, a mask. Uh, and uh, Spears takes umbrage to it and goes after him, drags him into the ring to beat him up. The bull head is removed. And it is Scorpio Sky who's underneath. Shock, shock, shock. And um, this guy gets some shots in. What do you yeah. think about all of this, Robert? I, I think the greatest thing about this segment was Excalibur saying uh, Sean Spears has one of the best records of 2020. And then JR goes, it's a shame. We really don't look at these numbers as seriously as we should. That, to me, was the extent of this segment because they're calling out their own bullshit, which I appreciate. I like Sean Spears. He should have been what Christian Cage was to TNA. Sean Spears should have been to this promotion. But they've already said, hey, we're basically going to keep him in the Ty Dillinger role because he is that good hand and that good potential trainer that Triple H was trying to make him. So, like... If I'm Sean Spears, I'm a little pissed off at that. I hope he does eventually get a run with a singles belt because he deserves it. Zach Barber left us uh, another super chat. Thank you very much, Zach. Uh, he says that AEW also needs to remove Kenny Omega as booker of the women because he's awful. I I don't know. I would just say that they're, they need to reevaluate the emphasis they put on that division. Whoever it is, they need to reevaluate. And I'm pretty sure this isn't like just one that, that, from all that we understand, Tony Khan has final say on everything, right? This has always been the thing that we've understood. There's design by committee, but Tony Khan says what flies and what doesn't. Uh, I think it's hard to pinpoint just really, like, we don't know. We just don't know, and I don't think it's as clear-cut as uh, as... Kenny being the booker, I think Kenny produces matches. Yes, he does. And, maybe and he I think does. Kenny 
when Kenny was put in charge of this, obviously, I don't know, wasn't there, but I can imagine he overall had the vision of let's take great talent from around the world. That yes. effectively got thrown out the window with COVID. That's why I'm saying sign domestically. Like, let's get that going into 2021 and let's see what they can do. Get me Trisha Dora. Toronto stat. I saw that comment and I agree. She needs to be in this promotion. And I'll say it again. Nicole Savoy is the best women's wrestler to not be signed. Absolutely. Main event time. The second semifinal match of the AEW world title eliminator tournament where Kenny Omega defeated uh, Penta gone junior Penta L zero M. Um, uh, this is happening because Phoenix got injured last week. There was a little segment on, uh, that was put out on Twitter, uh, where Eddie, um, uh, Eddie Kingston was switching over Penta for, for Phoenix, essentially. Kenny has the same type of interest as last week, has Justin Roberts do the oversell, doing the cleaner stuff. Uh, and he starts wrestling with, uh, with Pentagon in a, a, clearly an oversized t-shirt. That's because he has the AAA mega championship underneath which he eventually pulls out to taunt Penta, to taunt Phoenix. They trade some cho- some some chops. There's a Topi Hilo by Penta, and then the Rise of the Terminator by Omega. Um, they do the Del Rio spot, which is something I could have done without. Uh, there's, uh, there's a lot of escapes from Penta, from the one-winged angel, um, but um, they end up on the top rope. There's some shenanigans. Penta finally hits a Panama Sunrise uh, on the stage area. He then drags Omega into the ring with a stuffed pile driver uh, on Omega, who kicks out at a, a razor thin 2.9. I was sure that it was going to happen. So kudos to you guys for having me believe that uh, that, that, that Penta was going to win here. Uh, but uh, eventually, uh, Omega um, Omega uh, gets a super kick, uh, uh, eats a super kick, but then responds with the knee and the one winged angel to put Penta away. Um, I thought this was fine, but it didn't blow my mind either, Robert. It doesn't help when I, I have a two-screen setup, and it really doesn't help when over on the other screen, Io Shirai and Candice LeRae are absolutely killing each other. This was a paint-by-numbers match, and it did the job it needed to do. I appreciate the fact that for everything we've talked about tonight, they didn't overcomplicate this one. This one was no. exactly what it needed to be. I think I can overlook a lot of what I've said, because this pay-per-view card looks tremendous, especially this Hangman Omega match. These are two of your legit main guys that you wanted when you started this company. They need to go balls to the wall and have the best match they can, because that's what's going to get people excited for Kenny Omega winning the world title off John Moxley. I agree. Uh, you know we we often talk we often t- talk about. Um, uh, you know, WWE slap dashing cards together, you know, and they don't really care because it's on the network. You have your subscription. That's, you know, whatever they do, they have your money already. Whereas in AEW's case, they have to go a little more old school and sell you the ticket, right? They have to get you there. And I, uh, I'd say that in my person, like just my personal taste, there's three matches on there. You could add a fourth one after tonight that I'm really looking forward to see. Like to me, Full gears an easy sell uh, because of how because of the matches. You can talk about how we got there all you want, but ultimately, are you buying the pay per view? Yeah. That's what AW wants, and they have to work harder because they're asking you for substantial 
substantially more than WWE is asking. And I think this is one of the cards that can really get it and really deserves it. Uh, I agree. I agree. And uh, that's going to wrap it up for uh, our uh, our AEW recap. <clears throat> it's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Monday Night War. Monday. Why am I stuck on Monday? I'm stuck in the past. Okay. Wednesday Night Wars podcast. And it's going to wrap it up for me as well, folks. This was effectively my uh, my last podcast here uh, on Fightful tonight. Uh, and uh, and. I'm, I suck at this stuff. So I'm going to read some super chats that people have been leaving throughout the evening. But, uh, it's been, it's been over two years that I've been doing it at Fightful and I'm extremely appreciative of the, uh, of the opportunity that was given to me, uh, by Fightful, by Sean, uh, who got me on the podcast, uh, on the podcast beat, uh, let, uh, a, an awkward guy talking about wrestling. Uh, cut his teeth and developed into a slightly less awkward guy talking about wrestling. Uh, and, uh, and I'll always be grateful uh, for the opportunity to have worked here um, with everyone that I had the chance uh, to work, uh, to work with. And I, I'm very touched by all the super chats that a lot of you are, are leaving. Cameron Grimes cardio trainer <laughs> left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Says, Thank you, Mr. Hayes for your service. Go buy yourself a cookie. Also good to see Robert Pattinson nutritionally informed. Thank you. <laughs> Thank That's you true. very much for that, Mr. Cardio Trainer. Ben Parise left a super chat. Thank you very much. As Warren is forever. Merci pour tout. Thank you very much. Merci à toi, Benoit. Zach Barber as well left us a super chat. Says best of luck in your future endeavors, Warren. Thank you again. JK Schwal says going to miss Mr. Warren Hayes on Fightful. You've been awesome. This just makes Thursday nights all the more exciting with the Mr. Warren Hayes show and off the clock. Yes, because I'm I'm still going to be doing this over on my own uh, corner of the internet, youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. Go subscribe. I'd appreciate that if you'd come on over and join me on Thursday evenings live or whenever. That'd be cool. I'm still going to be around. So and yeah, I recognize a lot of you are, your familiar faces when you pop over on my channel. So it'd be nice to see you guys as well. Patel Ron Miller left a very generous super chat. Thank you very much for that. Patel Ron says, I hope for the best Warren. Always, uh, Alex always makes me laugh on sour graps. Robert, I like your commentary no matter what MJF says. Appreciate that. <laughs> yes, appreciations all around. And uh, and Xanthius left us a super chat as well. Thank you very much. It says, Warren, no, no leaving us without a final update on your DoorDash driver with the odd name. We're talking about Venus. He was an Uber. He was an Uber Eats driver. He's disappeared. What's that? It's an important distinction. It's a yes. It is an important distinction. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know what happened to to Venus. Quite unfortunately, breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. He does. He doesn't know how much of an important gimmick he was to my, <laughs> to my shtick. Um, so there you have it, folks. Thank you all very very much. Uh, I'm glad to. I'm thrilled to have been able to to anchor the podcast here on Wednesday nights as well, uh, hanging out with uh, with Robert and Louis before that, and Sean of course, and uh, and look just between between all of us here, I have I have a soft spot for Alex Pulowski. I've had a pleasure working with him. I remember the first time I remember the first time that I anchored a show was with Alex and Jeff Hawkins of all people that was my duo i had to start off with it was a takeover post show mm. and uh and for sure after their show they were they wrote sean and was like what the hell is this new guy all about <laughs> but i appreciate it alex has been wonderful and 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 a great guy to work with 
and I hope everyone uh, continues to support Fightful. And uh, and uh, don't forget, don't forget, uh, uh, don't forget me as well. Come and come and join us as well um, uh, over on youtubecom slash Hayes. And I seem to have forgotten one a super chat from Anakin. He says, I forgot one at the very, very top. And let me see if I can't scroll back enough. Uh, it's been it's been echoed out. But thank you, Anakin. Thank you very much for the super chat and the and the good wishes. I thought I had copied it because I usually copy them here. I appreciate it, though. Thank you. I feel bad now. And it's Zach Barber. Uh, Zach Barber leaving another super chat saying thank you, Warren, with the clap emojis. I appreciate it. Thank you, everyone. Uh, thank you, everyone. Uh, come back next week. Remember next week, by the way. Start time at 10.30 p.m. This is going to be new starting next week. Sean is going to be back. Uh, new start time, 10.30 p.m. Eastern uh, to just to give a little more room to breathe and get into everything. So there you go. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this evening. We'll see you next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.